I started writing everything down that I could think of all the prompts that have helped other people get unstuck. And I was just like, Oh, this is really valuable. Just these questions are really valuable to help you move forward and get out of your own head and into actually looking for the solution or the answer. And it's just been really powerful to watch other people now use it and go through the process of both. I think it's a lot of a self-acceptance, right? Like, okay, I've hit a plateau or this job isn't growing with me and I need a change and being able to kind of take back that power instead of waiting for things to change. Like, I need to do this myself. Hi, I'm Biz Cush, a life coach and therapist and your host here on the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. We're talking to women all over the world who found their way back to themselves, to their inner knowing, to their intuition, to their wisest self. We're exploring how to feel alive, authentic, engaged, and fully present in your life. Let's awaken your wise woman. Hi, and welcome. This is the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast, and I'm your host, Biz Cush, and I'm super glad that you're here. This episode will air at the end of March, and you know we're moving into April and spring, and I don't know, the year has gone by so quickly, and yet it feels like it's moving at a snail's pace. So where did the time go? If you'd like to sign up for my newsletter so that you get all of the podcast information plus mindfulness tips and blog updates and updates about me and things that I'm offering, you can sign up at elizabethcushcoaching.com forward slash sign up and you will get my audio and journaling prompts that will help you awaken parts of yourself. It's called the three invitations to come home to you. So sign up now. I hope all of you are well. Life seems to be opening up and feeling more like normal a little bit. I recently actually did some traveling, which was amazing. I have not traveled since before, like traveled on an airplane since before the pandemic. And it was nice to do that again, even though it was a little stressful and hard and having to be tested and wear masks and, you know, was a reminder that things aren't quote unquote normal yet, but it felt really great to have some of the things back in my life that I've been missing. I love traveling. I love seeing new places. I love going to different countries. So this was a lovely, lovely break and a way that I, I take care of myself is learning new things and experiencing different cultures and eating different food and and stepping outside of my everyday life. And speaking of self-care, that's one of the things we're going to be talking about today on the podcast. So stay tuned. We've got our guest, Becca Ribbing, who is going to talk about her clarity journal and how journaling can help us gain 
a better sense of what we value, what our strengths are, and seeing how our strengths can help us look at stuck places in a new way. Here's a little bit about Becca. Our guest today is Becca Ribbing. She's the author of the Clarity Journal and has been a coach for over a decade. She's on a mission to help people break out of the cycles of uncertainty and struggle that hold them back. She helps women going back and forth with the big, seemingly endless question of what to do next so they can stop going around in circles and finally figure out what they truly want and create the clarity and momentum they crave. So many people find themselves stuck and unsure of their direction. Using journaling prompts and helping people become more honest with themselves, Becca moves her readers forward gently and empowers them to embrace their strengths while letting go of any negative self-talk that has held them back in the past. She's been on many podcasts, including What to Read Next and Say Yes. Becca and I are talking about what it feels like when we're stuck and unsure of how to move forward, whether it's in a relationship or a job or just in life. And we explore why self-care sometimes gets a bad rap and ways that we can improve our self-care by doing things differently. And maybe that might mean a job change or a relationship change. So I'm excited to share this conversation with Becca. So let's jump in. Hi, Becca, and welcome to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your taking the time. I know everybody is busy and you're on the West Coast. So I know time difference is big, but I appreciate your joining me today on the podcast and would love for you to tell us a little bit about you and yeah, your inspirations for the work that you do and what got you where you are today. Oh, such a big question. <laughs> well, feel free to break it down into little I'm going to break it down. It's like, oh, I'm not sure I can handle all of that. Yeah. So I wrote the Clarity Journal. I have been a coach for quite a while and the Clarity Journal is kind of my wanting to help other people when they're struggling in that cycle of what do I want to do next? Because I find that when people are stuck in that cycle, they're usually really focused on one question. I feel like a lot of times people have a mantra and everyone has a different one. It, for me, I know it is, I don't know. Like if I'm in that cycle of, I'm not actually sure what I'm doing next. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have other friends that will like be like, oh yeah, I say this or I say that. But when we're stuck in that energy of just really focusing on the problem or the fact that we don't have the solution, it's really hard to move forward. And so the Clarity Journal is basically my way of helping people move through that, like get the questions they need to get themselves out of their own head and thinking a little more creatively and expansively. It's actually mm -hmm. funny. So I started writing it because I was in the, my, the middle of my own cycle. Because I think that we all do this. Like one of the other things to like really think about clarity is that 
it really comes in two to three year cycles. A lot of times, like even if you Hmm. are really clear about what you want to do, you can't expect to keep that clarity for the next 30 years. It's going to ebb and flow and you're going to hit a plateau. And then when you hit that plateau, you're going to be back saying those same things. Like, I don't know, or asking other people constantly, what should I do? What do you think? What do you, I think some people ask, what do you think a lot? Mm -hmm. And getting out of that rut and being able to actually see it for what it is. It's like, oh, you hit a plateau. It's time to change it up. It's time to bring in a new challenge and think about it in that, what I said, like expansively and instead of from a place of lack is really important to me. So when I was in that place a couple of years ago, one of my friends was really great. And she was like, I was talking to her. I was doing the same thing over and over again. It's probably the 10th time we'd had the conversation. She was like, Becca, you're a coach. What would you tell your clients? And I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> thanks. Yeah. yeah, right. So easy to be able to see for others how we can help, but so hard to turn that towards ourselves. I started writing everything down that I could think of all the prompts that have helped other people get unstuck. And I was just like, Oh, this is really valuable. Just these questions are really valuable to help you move forward and get out of your own head and into actually looking for the solution or the answer. And it's just been really powerful to watch other people now use it and go through the process of both, I think it's a lot of a self-acceptance, right? Like, okay, I've hit a plateau or this job isn't growing with me and I need a change. And being able to kind of take back that power instead of waiting for things to change. It's like, I need to do this myself. Yeah. Interesting that I'm talking to you today because I was just writing a blog piece about the vulnerability of saying like, I'm not sure what's next. Like, I don't know, coming from a place of like producing, producing, putting out podcasts, blogs, whatever it is to like, yeah, I think I need space. Like, and then that feeling really uncomfortable to be like, maybe I don't need to just be doing. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think sometimes um, I run into this a lot with bloggers and with podcasters it's like when you first start one, either it's a, you're in the beginning of that cycle. Like you're learning a lot of new things and then you kind of naturally have an ebb and flow because it's that same cycle of, oh, I've mastered this. It's down. Now I kind of need to figure out like how to keep expanding it so that it's growing with me. Yeah. And fits into my life in the way I want it to fit into mine versus it driving my life, which, yeah. It can, totally. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. But I love that. I love the idea that this journal and helping your clients comes from a place of knowing, which is really so important. Yeah. Yeah. And so talk to us a little bit about the Clarity Journal and what you've found in terms of like what does get us stuck in the Clarity, which you talked about a little bit, but how these prompts can really help you help us move forward and get a better sense of what's next. So I think we get stuck because of a couple things that we learn in childhood. 
when we are in school, we learn that we should just be pushing through. Like most of us don't have parents or teachers that were like, oh, it's great. You got to see. We always, as kids, heard this thing where bring your report card home or you bring a paper home or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, that's great. You got like a good grade in math, but your grade in writing is awful. Or they never didn't say awful, but maybe you could work on this. And it was always that, like, like you weren't working already. Like somehow you had been lazy. And if you just worked harder, it mm. would come clear. And I think that that's a really toxic idea for kids. Cause we teach that, like we teach that persistence is pushing through and not really recognizing that there's a problem in the first place. Like no one really starts with, Hey, you're not understanding this. Let's go get a tutor or you're not understanding this. Let's go to the library and see if we can find another math textbook that maybe explains it through story or through some other way to see if you can get this concept. And I think that that's really important to realize within ourselves that we have been trained that if we are stuck, if we're facing any problem, it's just a matter of we're not working hard enough hmm. and we can't work harder. You can't force your brain to have aha moments. You just end up exhausting yourself. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you talking about the, the like grade school. I'm sure that there was a time that I probably gave those messages to my own children, not realizing that, I mean, I heard them, right. but I can remember one of my kids was like, you know, I've worked really hard. Why aren't you just saying what a great job? And being like, oh yeah, that would be a nice thing to say, you know? It's, and But it's so societal. I think you're right though. You know, and it's, just, it's really just, hard. I have yeah. a seven-year-old and a 12-year-old and I still catch, I know better and I catch myself doing it. And when I do it, mm. I'm like, oh, wait, let's back up. Tell me about the problem because we have so many things going on. Our kids are not, are a hundred percent our focus. And so yeah. to be that mindful about every interaction is impossible. And you don't have to always do it right. Any parent that's listening to this is like, oh my God. I now need to like add yet another thing I need to change. Like you don't need to change everything. I do it too. But when you can catch yourself, like just, yeah. okay, tell me about the problem. Let's be curious about the problem. You're feeling really stuck. Like, you know, cause I think it's really hard if we're just constantly taught that we need to push through we haven't learned the skills for what actually like mindfully working through a problem looks like. That is so true. That is so true. And yeah, the idea that maybe you need an extra help or to even as adults, like maybe I need to look at this differently. Like, what is it that I want to bring in? It's not just pushing through, right? What can I bring in to my creative process that would make this more energizing and fun or different? Yeah. 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 I think a big part of that is also like really recognizing your strengths. Like, cause it is mm. a tie-in if we're constantly being told to push through something instead of really celebrated for the things we're doing well, then we don't value the things we do well as much as we should either. And so then we're not using them 
and like consciously making sure that our jobs and our work life and our home life utilize them. It's really funny when I get a new client, a lot of times, you know, they tell me all these stories about all the different things they've done and stuff. And it's great because I get a lot of information from those stories. And one of the first things I'll do as I'm hearing patterns is I'll point out, Hey, do you know, X, Y, Z is a strength of yours and they'll just stop and not necessarily like, Oh yeah, wait, no, they stop in this kind of like looking at me with squinty eyes. Like, I don't know whether I believe you (laughs) and we'll talk further about it. And part of it is that like, they couldn't even recognize it was a strength of theirs because they weren't valuing their strengths. They were so focused on what they needed to fix, what they needed to change, that if you can come from a place of strength and utilizing your strengths, it's just so much more powerful. You can move forward more powerfully. You can move forward with less effort. The other thing is, is I find that when someone's really not aware of their strengths, it also messes with their interpersonal relationships because they're annoyed all the time that other people aren't doing things that they can do really easily. And so instead of like looking at their coworker and being like, oh, well, you've got this strength and this is a strength of mine and we need to figure out how to like to move around work, you just get mad that the coworker is not basically you. And I don't think that's fair. I mean, sometimes, you know, we've all had coworkers that were <laughs> but for the most part, everyone has their own strengths. Yeah. Everybody's trying to do the best that they can, but maybe their right. strengths are different than yours. Yeah. yeah. Well, and two, I, the idea of that sometimes not recognizing our strengths can be such a block because here we're trying to just like fix whatever it might be versus like, oh, can I utilize the strength of mind to move in a different way or move forward in a different way. Like I've been doing this training called internal family systems and basically looking at all your parts as having positive intentions. Maybe some have gotten off track a little bit, but they're never, these parts of us are never out to harm us. They want to help us and protect us. But so their strengths, except that they've sort of learned how to be learned how to utilize their strengths in ineffective ways, or they were effective at one point, but not anymore. They're strengths that have potentially poor coping mechanisms. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 So I, I want to talk to you, you know, and you and I have never met besides this interaction, but one of the talking points that you shared through, you know, your wanting to be on the podcast was this idea of self-care just being such a, I don't know. I feel like sometimes now people look at like self-care tips or blogs and they're just like, okay, enough. Like I can't even listen to this anymore. And yet self-care is so, so, so important, but maybe it's not what we're being sold is. So I kind of talk about self-care being like a band-aid. Um, and Sometimes when people use that term, they mean it negatively. And I mean it both positively and negatively. Like when you put on a a bandaid on a cut, it protects it. It keeps it safe. It keeps it dry. You know, it keeps out the little irritants and it does a really great job of that. 
my son doesn't like band-aids being taken off. You can leave a band-aid on for three weeks and it will fall <laughs> off, you know? And that's really wonderful. It's doing its job. And self-care really does a good job of that. Like if you are really working on yourself and, uh, you know, working on like taking care of yourself, you know, going to yoga, going on runs, whatever you love to do, not just doing it out of obligation, but doing it out of love. That really helps keep the like little day-to-day specks of dust that would get in. Like it keeps them out. It keeps you more centered. It keeps you feeling better. However, when we talk about self-care, we're usually talking about self-care to people that are truly burned out or that are miserable about some aspect of their life. And then we tell them that self-care is the answer. And I want to say that like on any list of self-care tips, I have never seen someone say, get a new job or leave a toxic relationship. And those are the big things that if you are in a toxic relationship, if you are in a job that is depleting you, if you are feeling burned out, no amount of yoga is going to fix that until you can actually put on the big, like, bandage, like not just a little Mm. bandaid, but do the big bandage of actually like letting yourself heal. And you can't, I think we are constantly telling women, especially that you can just like feel your way out of this negative situation and you can stay in this negative situation and be better, be happier, be calmer. And that's not really validating our feelings. Those feelings are telling you something that those feelings are telling you to get out. Those feelings are telling you it's time to start job searching. You're not being valued. Those feelings are telling you there's something wrong and they're screaming at you. And so if you are in that situation, as opposed to, you know, pretty much just bopping along life, feeling pretty good. And like yoga helped me not get bummed out about the guy who honked at me on the highway. Like it's just two different things. And I feel like we use it for both. And then it's demoralizing. You tell someone that's in a bad situation that all they need to do is do yoga and they're going to feel better. Like it makes us feel like we should be able to do everything on our own by ourselves and that we should stay in, stay in places that are not healthy for us. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of just stay in your lane and keep doing what you're doing, but just add on a little whatever. Yeah. Go get a manicure or a facial or yoga. But yeah, I mean, especially, I think it can be especially hard for women to sort of trust and honor that their feelings are one, valid, but two, worth listening to, advocating for, working on meeting what our needs are. I know that's been hard for me. Well, how often we hear your feelings aren't rational. Oh, you're too much. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And it's like, no, that feeling is rational. Whatever you do with that feeling may or may not be rational. Like if you, like how we've all seen someone blow up at a service person because their life is going really poorly. And so they take it out on the only person they can, like, that's not rational, Mm. but at a very real level, like seeing and hearing and feeling the anger and looking at the actual cause is extremely rational. 
and necessary. Yeah. Yeah. But boy, talk about a tough place for women is feeling and expressing anger in ways that can be heard without us being called names or derogatory. Uh, Yeah. 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 But I think that part of it is that because we've allowed our voices to be silenced, we silence our own voice. And so we don't change the paradigm quickly enough. We aren't out of the toxic relationship, whether that's with a boss, a family member, a spouse, because we're not trusting ourselves and our boundaries enough to just recognize they're not going to change. And anyone that's in this situation right now, they're not going to change. Like if they're not expressing a desire to change right now, they already see that you're burned out. They already see that you're struggling and maybe they just don't have the capacity to care. Maybe something's going on in their life. That's too tough, but it is really hard for me sometimes because I'll hear women like tell me, Oh, I'll hire you in six months. I can't job search right now. If I leave the job right now, I will be hurting my coworkers. And it's like, no, you literally should not be under this stress for six months. Like that's not okay. Like they can go look for a job too, mm-hmm. but you cannot sacrifice your own well-being for them. Cause there's always gonna be a reason. There's always gonna be a reason to do it later. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is so true. And putting it off for ourselves isn't making it better for the other people either. Really, if we're burnt out and not our best selves or whatever, producing in the way we would like to or showing up to work in a way that's healthy for us. Yeah, it's not good for anybody. No. Yeah. And so how do you help women? I think this is a pretty common problem because we are so... It's built into kind of how we've been raised, at least for me. I know I'm older than you are, but that caring for other people is really the most important thing, that our care of self is important, but when everybody else is already taken care of, when they're all good, then we can look towards ourselves to see if we're okay or what do we need if we have any energy at the end of the day to do that. But are there things that you have done with your clients to help them see the importance of really loving and caring for themselves the way they do for other people. So I tend to focus more on the career side of things. And I think, so I think I usually cycle back to people usually don't hire me if they're totally thrilled with their work life and, and women, well, I guess men do this too. I, I work with both. It, a lot of these things men also struggle with it just shows up differently. Like men, women struggle with acknowledging that their feelings are real and valid. Men struggle with really acknowledging that they're having feelings, you know, a lot of times. So Mm -hmm. it's like a different side of the same coin. Mm -hmm. And in the same time, like, I think that here's another reason why I feel like school kind of interferes when we're in school we're in the same class for a year and then we change. It doesn't matter whether you hated that teacher or you loved that teacher. You really have no control over it. And it teaches us a lack of agency. It really struck me home because when I started homeschooling my oldest son, I was expecting a lot of comments about, oh, 
how is he going to get socialized? That was never the comment. I don't think I've ever been asked, how is he going to like get socialization? Hmm. The thing I'm asked over and over again is how is he going to learn how to deal with difficult people? And hmm. I really, the first time someone asked me that, I was like, that is the problem. All of my clients are running into. They're dealing with difficult people for entirely too long. You know, I, yeah. we really are. And then we enable the entire system to keep promoting difficult managers because none of us leave, like none of the women leave when there is a hmm. difficult manager. We try to stay for like entirely too long to try mm. to make it work or hope we get promoted or hope they get promoted and get out of our lives. But, but we don't really recognize that we have agency over this. And so at some level, that question to me is like also a part of the problem. It's like, well, how do you deal with it while you have all this stress? And my response to that is really, where can you take more agency about decreasing your stress? Yeah. Yeah. Because I can't make you happy in a job that you have to work 12 hours a day at where your boss is micromanaging you and pinging you all the time. I can't make you happy if you're being underutilized. Like it can't, I'm not going to gaslight you, <laughs> you know, like you're going to yeah. feel those feelings and they're going to keep reoccurring. And mm. sure. If you want to become a Buddhist monk, you can be Zen through it all. Like there are places you can go for that. <laughs> right. But I think right. for most of us, what we really need to do is recognize when we need to be like actively taking control of what's going to make us happy and actively seeking it out, even if it scares us. Mm, so, so true. I can remember seeing a client for a very brief period of time, but basically, them wanting help with managing stress, but the job they were describing was so stressful and so intense and so many long hours that their partners weren't happy. The kids weren't happy. The family was unit was struggling. <laughs> and my suggestion was like, this doesn't sound like the right job, you know, <laughs> that maybe there needs to be some change. That was not what they wanted to hear. They wanted some Zen to deal with right. the stress. And I was like, well, I'm not sure how you're going to find that because it sounds really, really, really stressful. Right. I, uh, I, I think that there are people who can willpower their way through, but I always go back to the more and more studies they do about weight loss, the more they've discovered that I think it's 97% of people gain back the weight on pretty much every diet. Oh yeah. And more. And so this idea that willpower should be able to work, there is that 3%. We probably all know at least one of those people that it does work, you know, mm -hmm. that you can lose weight or you can just push through forever. But for most of us, it is too depleting and you are going to instinctively know if I am saying this, whether it's too depleting for you right now. Yeah. 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 Well, I think it's a good lesson of like, yeah, pushing through is not always, <laughs> is usually not the best answer for our physical, mental, overall health. Yeah. Mm. So I love journaling. 
I have gone in and out of it in my life where it, you know, has been more important and less important. And especially with this last couple of years, I have been journaling regularly again, but I do find that there are people who really struggle with, you know, well, what do I journal about? How do I find prompts that resonate for me? So tell us a little bit, if you don't mind about your journal and what you hope its purpose is for people that would find it. So my hope is that people will flip through it and find the questions that really resonate with them. I know it's kind of long. I do that very specifically because everyone has something they need to hear and it's not all the same thing. So my favorite question in the journal is who do you envy and what does that tell you about yourself? Um, because I think that if you, if we asked it a slightly different way, if I asked it a slightly different way, you, you could say like, who inspires you or who, like, who do you admire? But those aren't the same thing. When you envy someone, it's actually telling you something about what you want for yourself. And, and I think that again, we're pushing away that negative, the negative emotion, like, oh, I shouldn't feel envy instead of like, oh, I envy this person. And it's always specific when someone envies someone It's specific people. Mm-hmm. And there are very specific reasons. You don't envy every, if you wanted to be a writer, you wouldn't envy every writer. You'd envy very specific writers who either write in a cool style, who have like the publisher that you want, or who have the lifestyle and just like, it looks like a cool package. And it, if you can really embrace that, you can actually come up with your own authentic version, especially if you can pull in a couple different people and kind of create your own amalgamation that is authentic to you and really inspires you. And I think that, I don't know, I feel like I've gotten a little negative. Like it's like everything. It's like, you just have to know yourself, (laughs) (laughs) but I think that the clarity journal really is meant to help you kind of dive in because it is hard we live with our cell phones. We are literally always distracted. If we want to be, we don't have to sit with ourselves the way we used to. And sure. Meditation is great. And I love meditation, but there is something to be said for the sitting there and creatively brainstorming that we kind of skip that now because we don't have nearly as much bored time where we're just sitting and thinking on the bus or thinking in the car And I'd invite you, even if you're not a journaler, to just pull in a little bit of that. If you're trying to figure out clarity, pull in some more time where you can actually sit and think without spinning. Like maybe that's taking a walk without headphones, or maybe that's cooking without listening to music. Maybe that's doing something creative and using your body because a lot of people are kinesthetic and will come up with ideas better that way. I know a lot of people really aren't, don't like writing. I always tell them, Hey, pull out Otter and just talk into Otter and let it transcribe it. Because I do think that there's also value in journaling because you are committing to something it's on paper. It's real. And I think that having that concrete record that con- that concrete commitment really helps move you forward like maybe not one like you journaling one day is not going to necessarily move you forward but you continuously doing it is going to help you 
see patterns. It's going to help you see where you want to go easier. And it's going to see what's like tripping you up better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am a huge advocate of just getting to know ourselves better because we can busy ourselves or distract ourselves in so many ways. And we kind of lose touch, not even kind of, we lose touch with our feelings, what is going on for us. The signals our body is giving us about how we're feeling, you know, we're very disconnected from that these days too. So for me, journaling just gives me that time before I go to sleep to sort of process like what, what is sort of sticking for one, like, are there issues that I'm hanging on to, but also just a place to be like, this was my day you know, and this is what I want to reflect on. And it's a, it's a nice process. But uh, well, Becca, I just want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. How do people find your journal? How do they find you? Is there anything else you would like to share? The Clarity Journal is on Amazon and it's really easy to find. And then you can find me at BeccaRibbing.com. That's B-E-C-C-A, Ribbing, R-I-B-B-I-N-G. And I'm sure it'll be in the show notes too. Absolutely. I will include the show notes, a link to the journal, all of your social media stuff too. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. I will. Thank you so much for having me on. I really, really enjoyed my conversation with Becca Ribbing, and I hope that you will check out her Clarity Journal if you're feeling stuck in the job and you're not quite sure how to move forward. After our conversation wrapped up, Becca and I chatted a little bit, and I just wanted to share with you all what we said. We were talking about being coaches, therapists, helping others, and that it's so important for you all, but everyone to understand that just because you're working with a coach doesn't mean, or a therapist doesn't mean that they haven't struggled to, that they haven't gotten stuck. Or for me, like, I'm pretty honest and open about my own anxiety that shows up and my desire to come back to myself that I got lost along the way and still do sometimes that finding the right path for me as a human on the earth sometimes isn't clear, sometimes is a struggle. And so I appreciated Becca sharing her own story, but also I just wanted to add that to the bulk of our conversation that, yeah, we're human too, and we struggle too, and so does everyone. It may seem that the people on social media have it all put together, or if someone writes a self-help book or something, that they have all the answers, but you know what? I'm guessing they don't. I particularly enjoyed Becca's perspective on self-care, that sometimes self-care means making big life changes. You know, toxic people or toxic jobs, toxic relationships require bold moves, big moves, uncomfortable moves sometimes. But sometimes that's the best way we can take care of ourselves. 
So I'd love to know and get your feedback on what you thought about this uh, interview. So if you have thoughts, please tag me when I share the episode, tag me on Instagram, on Facebook and Twitter. If you're looking for how to follow the podcast, you can sign up for the newsletter and get some mindfulness tips, little personal history or personal goings on in my life. I share some of my own stories and events, and also you get updates on the podcast as well as anything else I might be offering. So there's lots of good free stuff there, and you can sign up at elizabethcushcoaching.com. I hope you all have a terrific week. I hope you take care of yourself in whatever way that means for you. I look forward to connecting next time. Thanks for listening to the Awaken Your Wise Woman podcast. The information in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. Music by Andy Cush sound editing by Laura Disler, and show notes by Kathy Cush. If you'd like more information about me, Biz Cush, and the resources shared today, go to awakenyourwisewoman.com.